Welcome back to the Happy Saver podcast. I'm Ruth, a personal finance blogger right here in Aotearoa. And in this podcast, I chat with a diverse bunch of people. I learn their story and I condense it down so that you can hear helpful, relatable stories from Kiwis who are sharing their experiences, their tips and their point of view on personal finance in New Zealand. So let's crack on. This week, I wanted to revisit an earlier episode. Now, via my blog, I've got email exchanges going on for years with various awesome people. Many send me updates on their progress, and I can't tell you how much I enjoy getting them. There have been some fantastic wins that people have shared with me, where they have moved from a financial mess to a financial success. But because those emails are private, you'll never get to see what I see the progression of a situation over time. Well, because I have already shared the financial journey of Nathan in podcast episode number 71, I'm delighted to share the update that he sent me. What I'm also doing in this episode is introducing a new person, Sam, who is a 16-year-old year 12 school student who is about to walk a similar financial path to Nathan. But before I begin, I've got a quick message from the awesome team at Pocketsmith, today's sponsor. I do like a bargain, so imagine my delight when my favourite local restaurant said that they were looking for a mystery shopper, all expenses paid. My family is less interested in budgeting and bargain hunting, but they do love eating. And all we had to do was order, eat and pay the $125 bill. I categorised this as an expense in my dining out budget within Pocketsmith. Once I gave the restaurant my glowing feedback, they reimbursed the cost of our delicious dinner, and I categorised this as income in my dining out budget within Pocketsmith, meaning that one cancelled out the other. Given that we eat out about twice a month, I managed to halve this monthly expense, freeing up money to use elsewhere. If you want to supercharge your finances with Pocketsmith, they've got a deal for you. Happy Saver listeners get a whopping 50% off your first two months of Pocketsmith premium plan. To get your deal, go to pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. That's pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. I've had several parents tell me that they put this podcast on when driving their tamariki to school or heading off on a road trip, which I think is quite hilarious. It's worth weaving the story of Nathan and Sam together in case school students are currently trapped in a car with their parents being forced to listen to this. And I do apologise, but it is good for you, I promise. Because it will show you the alternative route to study, one that avoids student debt and one that gives you options. Now, Nathan's episode was released in September of 2022, and if you have not yet listened to it, well, go back and do take a listen, as this podcast will make a lot more sense to you if you do, because I'm going to jump straight back into where we left off. Now, straight after Nathan wrapped up his coursework and exams at Polytech in November of 2022, he started a full-time position with the company that he had begun working for while studying, and he is now doing equal parts quantity surveying and project administration. He said he has settled into the routine of working full-time and he couldn't have asked for a better start to his career because he is learning new skills and gaining industry knowledge daily while working with a group of excellent colleagues. Another routine he has enjoyed settling into is earning a steady paycheck and automatically building up his savings, investments, sinking funds and emergency fund. His starting salary was $65,000, which is just under $1,000 weekly after tax and he finished his study completely debt-free. From the get-go, this means that his entire take-home paycheck is his, and there will be no 12% student loan deductions. That chapter of his life is now closed. 
Now, this was evident in the email update that he sent me. He is now looking ahead to his future, having neatly shut the door on the education side of his life. The next update he gave me was about his relationship. In his previous episode, I took time to describe his situation and also to question his future plans. And basically, I pushed him a bit on why he had spent the last few years joining his life with his girlfriend, even talking about marriage and children. But when it came to a future house purchase, it was going to be his house, not hers, and she would just pay rent. Nathan let me know that he took a lot of time to reflect on what we discussed for that episode and agrees that it will be best for him and his partner to be united in their financial future. In fact, since our korero, they have moved in together. They are both living at his parents' house and his parents remain supportive of his plans to save his guts out for a home he and his partner can buy together. Now both are paying board, but he said he has been thinking more about our money, our house and our prosperity. And the word he used when he spoke about it was collaboration, which is excellent. And while he is now free and clear from his study, Together, they have saved up and directly paid the $7,500 she needs to pay cash for her final year of university fees. Plus, he said, in capital letters no less, we are beginning to save for our house in a shared bank account for our money. Now, I was pleased to hear about this united front. And once she hits the workforce full-time next year, this team of two will start smashing out their goals together. I just know it. They plan to buy a home as soon as they possibly can, but the time frame is still being determined because it depends on the price of houses. They are currently assuming they will spend less than $650,000 and would like to do so with a 10-12% to 12% deposit. But if interest rates keep rising, they will try to get closer to a 20% deposit to reduce the size of their mortgage and the paydown period. And ideally, they want their mortgage gone within 15 years when they buy. They are still very much in the saving phase, but are learning about all housing options available, and as their deposit builds, they will also start to look at the lending options available. Often when I interview people, they want to remain anonymous, but in the case of Nathan, he was happy to put his name out there. He told me that through sharing his podcast episode with his friends, he has actually connected with others who also have a keen interest in personal finance. Opening up about his money has led him to share resources and discuss saving, investing, and his and his partner's financial goals. He said connecting over something new with long-standing friends has been really awesome. And I love that people he knew and liked were also interested in doing good things with their putia, but they had never discussed it before. Well, they do now. He also asked for a more unusual gift for his recent 20th birthday. He was working towards taekwondo grading and it doesn't come cheap. So instead of birthday gifts, he asked that friends and whanau contribute money to this expense instead, which they did, collectively contributing $700. To Nathan, this was more meaningful than a physical gift, as he said he feels like his loved ones are on the journey with him as he trains towards the event. Now that he has a steady paycheck of almost $1,000 a week, he has decided to dip his toes into investing, and he is going about it systematically, as one would expect from a quantity surveyor. He said that in his 2023 budget, yes, he runs a budget, he has allocated $600 or $50 per month towards a SmartShares Total World Fund ETF. Because he began this last year, he will be adding to his balance of about $600. His KiwiSaver is ticking along and has continued to grow. It's now just over $6,000, despite him being under the impression that his balance would decrease because it's in a growth fund and the share market was declining. 
He said he had changed provider away from an ASB growth fund into a Colonel Wealth growth fund and managed to cut the fees he pays by two-thirds. He is contributing 3% of his wages, and he worked out the math that $1,950 will be contributed to his KiwiSaver in 2023, plus employer contributions and the government top-ups of $521. Now, something else has changed here too, because he said he now hopes to keep this investment intact when they purchase their first house together. I was pleased to hear this because my take on it at the time we spoke was that he knows he wants to buy a home and he also knows he wants to retire one day. He has time to plan for both, so why not do that? So that is their intention now. You don't have to use your KiwiSaver to buy a house. If you are earning a good income as Nathan is and as his girlfriend soon will be, and you have time to save, which they both do have, then you can save for both. Nathan said that with his take-home pay, he has budgeted $300 per week for all his expenses, leaving him $660 per week to go towards a house deposit. Where is he putting the money for their house deposit? He has opened a 90-day notice savings account with Heartland Bank, and when I created this podcast in March of 2023, it had a 5% interest rate. And between his and his partner's contributions, they expect to reach $50,000 by April of 2024. Their current balance is 7200 something he is very proud of given he is only a few months into working. And between his KiwiSaver, saving and share investing, his savings rate is 72% of his take-home pay. Now this is pretty rare. Nathan and his partner are tuned into their earning and spending, prioritising saving and investing to hit their goals. He is now measuring their progress towards their goals by tracking his net worth. He works with numbers all day and still enjoys working on their budgeting at the end of the week. He said doing so keeps him motivated towards their goals. And he said, and I agree, that it will be really interesting to look back in six months, two years and five years to see how far they've come. He kindly shared his net worth as it stands today. Under assets, he listed SmartShares Total World Fund ETF, his KiwiSaver, and he has sinking fund bank accounts and an emergency fund, and also his car, which is worth about four grand. And under liabilities, well, he has none at all. His net worth as of March 2023 was $22,000. He also wanted to point out that they have yet to go without to reach this point. They had a great holiday this summer and have another one planned to mark their fourth anniversary together. So for Nathan, it's onwards and upwards from here. And what I love about his situation is the clean break he has made as he transitioned from being a student to being a full-time employee. There is no tidying up left to do, no paying off what he has done before, no seeing that student loan deduction clawed back with every paycheck. That will never be his reality. Instead, he and his partner are looking ahead with a clean slate and it's such a powerful position to be in. And even if these two pivot and take a different path, maybe they decide to work overseas for a few years. Perhaps they have children. Maybe they buy a business. Or by saving and investing now, well, it just gives them money. And for now, that money is earmarked for a house. But if plans change, having money makes you very adaptable. I asked Nathan how his graduating classmates are faring with finding work have they been able to hit the ground running as he has? Those who were proactive and working in the field they were studying for while at Polytech have transitioned easily into work, but due to rising interest rates, there is a slowdown in construction for investment-type properties, and those companies have tapped the brakes on the hiring side and are less inclined to take on new quantity surveyors with no practical experience and train them up. 
So that pretty quickly brings you up to speed with Nathan's rapid progress since we last spoke. And now I want to move into the second part of this episode and share the situation of a 16-year-old year 12 student called Sam. Now Sam is not his real name, I just wanted to protect his anonymity because he is quite young. Now I wanted to weave these two stories together to show that Nathan, he didn't just suddenly reach the point he is today. His good habits started years ago. So by speaking with Sam, who is four years younger than Nathan, we can see some of these good habits forming now, which should also in time set Sam up on a pretty good financial path in life. Now I've known Sam for a few years, and via bumping into his mum and grandparents downtown, I had worked out that he was a little different to many kids regarding money. In my area of central Otago, it's very common for most school kids to work either part-time or full-time over the summer in local orchards and vineyards. My daughter, who's now 15, she's just finished her second summer of part-time work in a cherry pack house, and plus, many kids also work part-time jobs throughout the year. While not overjoyed to go to work, it was a good learning experience for my daughter, and the money was good. Her hourly rate was $22.90, and she earned $1,300 for working four hours a day, about four days a week, and over about a month. Many kids from her school worked full-time for four to six weeks over the summer, the opportunity was certainly there to make three and a half to five and a half thousand dollars for those who had the time and the energy. Many teenagers now have new smartwatches, the latest phones, TVs, bikes, clothing, bling, guitars, and good times to show for their mahi. The majority, if not all, of their income has already been spent or will soon be gone. While I'm sure that some of these kids are savers, chats I've had with a few parents around town tell me that for many, it's the usual story, make money and spend it all. But I knew Sam was different, so I invited him over for a chat. Now, this was not the first time we had spoken about money. About four years ago, he and his older sister started showing interest in Putia. Now, knowing I write this blog, his mum asked if I could sit down and chat with them about the basics of money and investing, which of course I gladly did. Since then, I have heard that he seems to have a good head on his shoulders and is making really good choices with his money, as is his sister, and I wanted to know what he is doing and why. Initially, I spoke with him when he was aged about 12 and starting from almost zero. At this point, his financial life was beginning to build, and it's so important that he creates that foundation well. Sam is 16 now and has just finished his second summer working in an orchard from late December to January. He got the job because a sibling and friends had previously worked there, and the owner of the orchard met Sam, sized up his skills and abilities, and knew from that point that he wanted to train Sam to perform a specific role at harvest time. It's a more technical role than picking or packing fruit. Orchardists in this region know that if they can employ good kids from a young age, they will return to work every season, giving them a more stable workforce. Plus, the teenager knows that they have a job to return to every summer. So it's win-win. Sam is still training and shadowing the person he will eventually take over from when they finish school and leave town, but he is on a great rate for someone so young, $24.30 an hour. Although his employer could if they wanted to, they do not pay KiwiSaver because he is under 18. Now he hopes to earn $50 to $60 per hour for his summer work when he has the skills. So this is a point worth sharing because not all after-school or summer jobs are minimum wage. There is greater earning and learning potential for the kids with a bit of get-up-and-go. Now, orchard work can often be patchy because it's so weather-dependent, 
and they get rained off some days, meaning no pay. But we've had a good summer down in central Otago, and Sam found that once he got started, the work was pretty consistent over the three to four week period that he worked before school started up again. For Sam, summer is the time to earn a lump sum of between three to four thousand dollars. He did not have time to work for the rest of the year, so he received a small amount of pocket money. He receives his age in cash, so just $16 goes straight into his Shearsies account every fortnight, so that money is all invested, not spent. His mum has many other things pulling on her money, so he might receive this amount weekly or fortnightly, it just depends, and he is absolutely okay with that. Seeing that money going into Shearsies and watching it build stops him from frittering it away, he said. When the pay began to roll in for a few weeks over the summer, I asked him how he structured his money. And much to my surprise, he has many bank accounts or sinking funds that he uses for different purposes. I asked how he knew to do this. And I was chuffed and amazed to hear that this came from that chat we had all those years ago. Sam stored that information away and when the day arrived that he finally started to earn some money of his own, well he put that knowledge into practice and opened up some bank accounts. So his banking structure is as follows. Number one, he has an FPOS card account. This is for any spending he wants to do on a daily basis. He had, wait for it, 11 cents in this account when we spoke. Number two, he has a pay and investing account. So any money he earns goes into this account and he moves a little over to his FPOS card account when he needs to, which judging by his current balance is now. But he said he deliberately only gives himself a little to spend. He tries to avoid the canteen at school because that soon racks up. He tries not to buy too many little things because he has already observed by watching his own spending and others that all of those little transactions add up and he would prefer to avoid that. He sends chunks of money to his shares investments from this account when he receives his summer income and he's not overthinking it. He just decides to send $400 from his pay, for example, and he does that. He had $1,000 in this account when we spoke. He also has an emergency fund, or yes, you heard me right, a 16-year-old who has already worked out that sometimes things go wrong and having a cash buffer really helps. He keeps $1,500 in here. Now, this might sound extreme to some, but not to me. Even at 16, he could easily have an unplanned $1,500 expense, such as a laptop breaking, which is a tool essential for his schooling. Most emergencies are likely to be much smaller, but having created a habit of an emergency fund this early in life will serve him well in the future. He also keeps a few more sinking funds where he saves up for things. He noticed that some other kids spend a lot of money. Some also put money into a savings account, which they then just move into their FPOS card account and spend it anyway. He already has the discipline not to do that. Each account currently has a zero balance, but it is there to build up when needed. For example, he has a sports account where he would save up for travelling to events. He also had an account where he specifically saved up and then purchased, with a bit of help from his parents, a watch, a phone and a computer, which are all teenage necessities these days. The balance of this account is currently zero as there is nothing he is saving up for at the moment. In the past, he has also received scholarship funds for his academic and sporting achievements. Two scholarships in particular came from his father's workplace and Naitahu. And when that money came in, he stored it here and put it towards specific events, generally for his chosen sport. His current balance is zero, but I like that his money, when it comes in, is set aside for a specific purpose. 
And finally, he also saved up for a musical instrument and his parents helped him towards this purchase. Now, I just love how he uses different accounts to save and prepare for specific things. It keeps it clear in his head what that money is for, instead of having one catch-all account with all his cash lumped together. Two years ago, in March of 2021, he began using Sharesies and has a current balance of about $5,000. And like many, he is trying a few things and has a little bit of Apple, Pi Australasian Dividend Growth Fund, US 500, New Zealand Top 50, and a little bit of Tesla. Sam said that he has found it fascinating watching the volatility of Tesla in particular. This is where he is learning when to buy, hold, or sell as an individual investor. And thank goodness, most of his money is invested in a large ETF fund, the US 500, which does not require constant monitoring. He is also enrolled in KiwiSaver, but at this stage and age, he needs to learn about what company he is with, if any investments have been made on his behalf, and what the balance might be. But that's okay, these are conversations to be had with his parents at some point. And when they chat, he will add another piece of financial information to his growing financial plans. It is just one more piece of the picture. During the school year, it's hard for Sam to work, given he puts a lot of effort into his study and sport. He said he wants his schooling done properly, and I agree. His sport takes up a lot of time. He is up at 5.30 each morning for training, and he doesn't want to cut back on that to work and earn money. But he has found just a little spare time and has just picked up a weekend job, just two hours each weekend, working for a local motel in a housekeeping role. He got this job via Family Connections, which in my opinion is the best way to get a job. And as I've said in previous episodes, it just cuts out the lengthy recruitment process. They are paying him $25 per hour, so $50 a week, minus tax, is a handy bit of money to have. He will finish school at the end of 2024 and thinks that going to university is his future. He is academically very bright and is beginning to do some testing at school to work out what direction and career his interests might take him to. He also wants to pursue his sport, so not only does he have to think about a uni to attend, but he also needs to look at coaches in New Zealand whom he would like to be trained by. Otago University is the closest campus to home in central Otago. Still with immediate family also living in Auckland, he could go up there to study and would, unlike in Dunedin, be able to live rent-free. The thought of taking a gap year appeals as well. School is pretty intense and there is a lot of pressure to move immediately into studying. But the possibility of taking a gap year to try a few things before settling into study, that appeals to him as well. Even at the age of just 16, he is starting to seek information and calculate his options, and he has time to decide. He has older siblings who have left home and are studying, and I encourage Sam to talk to them about their study experience, how they are paying for it, and where they see their education taking them. It's a mixed bag in his whanau. He is pretty sure that one sibling has student loans, and he knows his mum is still paying hers off. So I just encourage him to ask them about their experiences. He's a sharp kid and just having the conversation will teach him something new to add to his journey. He is still in year 12, so he has yet to have the chance to talk much to careers advisors. But when the time comes, I encourage him to listen to what they have to say and consult widely as to what is available. He will get a broad view of the options by talking with as many people as possible. He knows of people heading off to study and the fact that they are paying over $20,000 for accommodation, just the hall of residence, and they still have to pay for the course. So his radar is up and he is noting others' situations. 
With his net worth only being about $7,500 and with only two summers of work ahead of him, I wondered how he thought he might pay for his future study, especially bearing in mind that the chances of his education taking longer than a three-year degree is high. His iwi, Naitahu, is really supportive of educating tamariki and supporting them financially as they head into study, so he intends to keep his grades as high as possible to receive their support and apply for scholarships to either fully cover or partly pay the costs associated with his education. He shared with me the stories of past students of his school who worked hard to successfully qualify for scholarships that pay for most, if not all, of their studies. So I think his plan is valid. And once again, I'm pleased for Sam that he is paying attention to what others are doing. He also has a small and growing investment with Naitahu, where his parents deposit money and Naitahu matches it. As with his KiwiSaver, he is unsure about the details of this investment, but he is aware it exists and he can access it at 18. It's another conversation that I'm sure he will ask his parents about when the time feels right, and at this stage he thinks this putia could go towards study costs too. So Sam works when he can, he's mindful of his spending, and has some structure in his bank accounts. He lives a little too, and has nice to have such as a watch and a phone and a laptop, which he has purchased using money earned over two summers working, and with some help from his mum. And he is thinking ahead. He is very observant and watches how his parents handle their money because they're not flush with cash, and he observes how his friends handle their money too. And this all plays into his experience with money and what he will do going forward. When we first sat down a few years ago, he had no money or income. He was just a young kid, so of course he didn't. But conversations with his family and with me meant that when he did start to earn a little bit of money, he had the beginnings of a good framework of what to do with it. And I've found that when it comes to money and ensuring you have enough, the same basic rules apply whether you make $500 or $500,000. Sam started to grasp the basics early in life when his weekly pay was $12 of pocket money. That is a huge step up from most who spend time on their own trying to work stuff out or get all fancy with their money management. And I speak with many people in their 20s, 30s, 40s and beyond who are still trying to work out the basics, such as using sinking funds. I also liked that he said he enjoys the money he spends, so he is not a tightwad. He is finding the right balance for him. And he said he knows that one day he has the ability and will earn a lot of money. So he wants to work out how to feel comfortable spending and investing early in life. So I'm delighted for Sam that he is creating a solid financial foundation from the beginning because before too long he will finish studying and money will start to flow in his direction, much like it is for Nathan. And if he can sort out his money early in life, the options just begin to open up to him and let him make decisions that are in the interests of what he loves to do, not because he needs the money. So I really enjoyed hearing his perspectives and progress so far. Now, before I wrap up with a few takeaways from this episode, I just wanted to share a last word from Pocketsmith, today's sponsor. If you want to supercharge your finances with Pocketsmith, they've got a deal for you. Happy Saver listeners get a whopping 50% off your first two months of Pocketsmith's premium plan. To get your deal, go to pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. That's pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. The reason I wanted to speak about Sam and Nathan in the same episode is that I want other people listening to this who are young themselves or maybe they have young children and young adults at home. I want them to see how other young people are organising the money in their lives. 
I want people to see that our knowledge about money progresses over time. The information we learn at a young age, it sets the stage for how we will handle money going forward. It is important to learn good habits early because bad habits send us down the wrong path. From a young age, Nathan and Sam receive some good knowledge and information about earning, saving, investing and spending money. And those lessons continue. None of their parents would proclaim to be experts and neither are providing much financial support. But they have had the good sense to help and guide when they can or ask others, such as myself, to help too. Nathan and Sam are paying attention, observing how family and friends handle their money, which plays into developing their skills to manage their own. Sharing their experiences also shows the importance of parents and caregivers taking an interest in how their children learn about money and staying engaged. I always say that learning about money is not one and done. You can't remember all that applies to you in one sitting. Hundreds of small pieces of information delivered over time grow your knowledge. Suppose we can show and teach young people just a few basic money skills from the beginning, such as how you earn money, save some money, spend some money, and invest some money. When they start to have ideas of going to university, starting a business, going overseas, buying a house, or just doing expensive things, they have some idea of how the money will work in that situation. As a parent, the best way that I have found to do this is to just be open in our own fare about how we, the parents, handle money. Now, I was delighted to hear that the conversation I had with Sam and his sister over four years ago resonated with him. And since he was not earning then, he just sat on that information. And now, when he works in the summer holidays and has bursts of income, he knows what to do with it. Nathan was also fortunate enough to receive financial money chat early in life, and then he put it into practice. And that is how come he managed to study and stay out of debt. And fast forward to when Nathan finds himself now out the other side of study and into full-time work, that is the result of making smart money choices at Sam's age. So what is the takeaway from this episode? If you have a young person in your life, please teach them some money basics very early in life when they have no money. And then when they do start to earn just a couple of dollars and then thousands of dollars, they know how to apply it to whatever they want to do in their life. Many teenagers make a lot of money throughout the school year with big bursts of cash coming in over the long summer break. Please don't let them spend it all. Please educate them on how to enjoy some of it today by all means, but to put the majority aside for their future. It doesn't matter what their future holds, but it sure is handy having some money when you get there. And finally, thank you Nathan for sending me such a fantastic update and taking the time to chat. And thanks too to Sam for going out of your way to sit down and talk to me about your financial life. I really appreciate both of your time and you know where to find me if I can ever help. So that is all from me this week. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at thehappysaver.com. And please do share this episode with your friends. It is the best way that people can learn about the podcast. And I would love it, of course, if you would talk more about money with your own friends and whanau and continue to help me help others be better with money. So until next time, happy saving. <music>